All right. On this episode, Eric and I get into it. We talk about some uh, specific software in our industries, and we talk about financial regulation, literacy, and to what extent we need it or don't. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome to this round number, episode number 40 of Finance and Technology Insights. I'm Brian Williams from Northshire Consulting. He's Eric Bjorndorf of Evernet. What's happening, Eric? What's going on, Bri? The news cycle has been uninteresting to me in large part. I mean, I know that this whole FTX thing is is developing, but to be honest with you, mm -hmm. I, I kind of don't have much interest in it. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing was um, um, he was at the... Uh, the deal book is a deal book. Yeah. Deal book conference last week. Uh, and he had the big CNBC interview, which he did. He did virtually, um, the host of that deal book thing. He's, he's, the um, um, he's the host on the, on the morning show squawk box. Um, he's a great guy. He does a good job with the interviews, but that was sort of the first we've seen of, uh, SBF. And now since then he's made his rounds to, uh, good morning, America, sat down with George Stephanopoulos and he's popped up in a couple other spots. His attorneys are like, dude, don't talk to anybody. And he's out talking to everybody and, and everything. Is he still, but, is he still on the, in the Caribbean or is he? He is. Some... Yeah. He's still, he's still in the Bahamas. Um, but, um, it's really interesting to see the, the reactions and you're learning a lot about people and, uh, the criminal justice system. And it is one of these sort of big picture, conversations it's like you know you see some people tweet out that they you know kind of feel sorry for him or they refer to him as like a kid or oh this is an innocent kid who got mixed up in the wrong whatever didn't really know what he was doing and then you've got other people like this guy's a fraudster he needs to like you know rot in a jail cell and then other people will come back and say well what what sort of you know what what does that accomplish by doing that do we think this guy is going to be a continued fraud fraudster is is you know so it's it's kind of an interesting story and you're you're uh there is parts where you sort of feel sympathetic for the guy and then there's other parts where you're like were you reading so one of the things that happened in the interview was they had read a letter of the guy that had lost his life savings or something. And he was an FTX international and, and whatever. So, you know, there's the other side of that too, that these are real people with real money that they won't probably get back. So, um, so yeah, that was certainly a big story over the last seven days. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you and I definitely philosophically or ideologically part ways to a certain degree when it comes to um, the um, the threshold of buyer beware, right? Right. I, I, th I think I think you tend to. Well, I won't I won't speak for you, but I t I tend to. Um, you know, it's like what I've mentioned so many times in this show, right? Um, that like I laugh because what I, I laugh when there's this uproar of a market downturn because. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, every, no, nobody complains when things are appreciating in value, but when things depreciate in value, there's, there's conspiracy, there's, there's malfeasance and, you know, people like gambling or investing is gambling a rose by any other name. Right. I mean, it is the inherent 
I mean, yeah, investing, you are, you are, the idea is in, with investing, you, you, you are making an informed decision and, um, you know, uh, you're buying something of perceived value or real value or, you know, whatever, but let's face it. I mean, you don't, nobody knows what is going to happen. I mean, then that is the inherent, uh, thing about gambling. So, um, you know, if you manage to find your way on the FTX, and I don't know any details about this except for a lot of money's missing, and it seems we, you know, whatever. But I'm guessing that you've got people who are putting large sums of money uh, into some sort of startup uh, exchange that was a, that was a um, exchange in crypto coins. You know, there's a lot of fur about people getting rich off of cryptocurrency, but it's a market. It's a market like anything else. I mean, you're going in, you're you're ch changing money for something, you're holding it with the hope that it's going to be worth more in the future. Is it anything more than that? That's yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So when the, so, um, so then when the thing reverses in value, mm -hmm. why is everybody surprised? Well, this is this is a uh, this is a difference between reversing in value or just there being fraud, you know, like so. So but where was I guess that's why I don't know the story. Where, yeah. So, the, so the the issue is he was taking client funds and using those as collateral to leverage up for his Almedia, Almeda hedge fund and using that to speculate on coins that were not valuable. So, so it's, that's no different than this can be a bad analogy, but it's no different than your, you going into your bank and then you found out your savings account was bet on the Knicks to win last night by 40, you know, but don't people, they, but all the entire financial institution does that. They take your money, they they take their knowledge and opinion and acquire other equities in hopes of it yeah, not, appreciating, right? Not with client or customer funds, though. That's that's gonna be the big thing that that's ultimately his his downfall is is did you take client funds and do something with it that you shouldn't have? That's really what it's gonna come down to for I mean banks bank banks do that. Banks take your deposits, mm -hmm. they redistribute that actual money to other uh through other channels mm -hmm. to appreciate their assets to strengthen their brand and their company to give you more confidence in their brand and it's a it, that's the cycle that everybody would like it to do but that right. doesn't always happen right right and again that's a that's a spectrum and they have a lot of regulatory things that they can they can take your deposit loan it out to somebody who's who's taking a mortgage and they can charge six percent for the mortgage give you two percent interest on your savings account and make money on the spread what they can't do is take your savings account and go bet on the next that's the difference but that's so, that's the difference between you and i because yeah. there's a lot of language and framework and bureaucracy that says betting on the neck nicks is different than betting on the guy who works at ibm and is paying a mortgage. The guy could default on his mortgage. It mm -hmm. could be a it could be a bad investment. So then the guy defaults on his mortgage. I know that there's a, it's protected by the real asset, but what if there's a pop in the real estate bubble? Now the asset's worth less than they than the principal. So then there's right. a loss. The lot the shit rolls downhill anyways. Mm -hmm. Yep. But there's a there's you know there's there's metrics involved that will tell you that you know certain 
credit scores of this level will default at this level. And, you know, they've got, they've got years of data and, and backing that up. And so, uh, you, this is where we, you know, this is where we can spar on this, right? Cause I'm like, yeah, you, so, you, so you, language you, and bureaucracy and frameworks and blah, blah, where, where really it's just like, well, if there's no confidence in the banking system, you can't have a, you can't have a functioning economy. You you have to be able to know that if you go deposit $100 in the bank, that you're going to be able to get $100 back the next day. If if that confidence is gone, then then you're not going to have any sort of banking system because everybody's just going to keep cash in their basement in the safe and that's not good for anybody. So there has to be some sort of that's, rules and regulation in place. This is this is fun because that's that's really debatable too. Well, I mean, if 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 everybody had, you know, then that's the basics of, of cryptocurrency, right? People say, well, this is great. This is this is unregulated. This is, you know, away from the systems. But now they're kind of finding out, oh, actually, we want systems, you know, and that's not still not necessarily because the crypto, the current cryptocurrency has has stable. It has wild fluctuations, but it's been at 16 for the last. Yes, it went up to 60 and it spiked. But, you know, again, it's. I, it's probably well beyond the scope of this chat, but I reckon I agree to disagree. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's my, you know, that's, that's where I sit on that spectrum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely levels of, of, of risk and you have to have some sort of protections in place to instill confidence. Cause if you don't have any confidence, then you don't have any ability to, you wouldn't invest in any business or invest in or put any sort of money anywhere. You'd get but that's not. But that's proven not to be true because, as recently as two thousand eight, in modern man time, I know like we we our culture like views like the twentieth century is kind of modern times. You know, mm -hmm. um, as recently as two thousand eight, an entire sector has imploded because of speculation. Lehman Brothers, which is yeah, which was institutional, uh, just imploded. So it's like. It's it's just a shell game, and the the regulators keep trying to. Every, it's like they're firefighting. They when somebody does some, something stupid, they they rush over there, and you got the Dodd Frank, mm -hmm. uh, you know, act, and they just try to build more paper around building that confidence. And uh, my 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 take on it is, it's um, you know that kind of thing. Like it helps. It helps the big bankers. It helps the politicians um, with their feel-good regulations. But it's it's always going to be buyer beware. And if and if you keep saying, "Well, we have confidence in our system because of the framework," like I think you're just making people vulnerable by doing that. Whereas if we kept kept saying buyer beware, where you know you 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 build a this country, I think lacks like a gross amount of financial literacy at the individual level. And I think that's that's born from a lot of like, oh, we've got frameworks and regulations and things. But as recently as 2011 or 2008, you know, it's it's uh, the it, it was an implosion there. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm, I'm no, I I understand. I mean, there's there's risks and rewards to to everything, and and the longer. You know, the longer term stuff is always going to be fine. It's, you know. And, and by the way, to... my position is not to put people off from investing. I mean, no, no I, in, I mean, investing no. is vital. I mean, it's. That's yeah. I mean, that's the cap getting capital is the growth engine of the country. And if you don't have the ability to to borrow or raise capital, I mean, you, none of these companies 
ingenuity is dead. So you have to have some sort of capital markets to be able to buy and invest. Yeah, for sure. Maybe maybe we'll spar on this another day. Yeah, I mean, listen, the guy that lost his life savings in FTX, do you feel bad for him on a personal level? Yeah, of totally. course you do, because you're, a thousand you're percent. an adult and you have a heart. But but as you said, I mean, that's where that's where we agree. It's like, what is this guy doing putting all his money in FTX? You know, and if it and if it quadrupled, he wouldn't be complaining it was a scam. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be laughing life. all the way to the bank. Right, right. And we don't know. You know, he might say he lost two million dollars in it, but he might have only put in a hundred grand, and it might have appreciated to two hundred, and then or to two million, and then he feels like he lost two million. So, um, so no, I, I, you know, you have to separate the the business side from the personal side. I feel bad for him and his family. Totally, totally. I don't want anybody to get hurt or lose their shit. Should have known better. Yeah. Yeah, I wish. In fact, I wish if, if if there's any point I want to make, I wish there was more financial literacy at a, you know, systemat systemically in mm -hmm. in our, in a, you know, institutions. But oh, I could I could totally nerd out on that and show you this LinkedIn post. I try not to get into too much um, heated stuff. I don't I don't do too much Twitter anymore, but LinkedIn, sometimes I'll go down to path of poking a bear but i'm not gonna do that today <laughs> you just toss a grenade in the in the room yeah i could i could show you something that was along those lines of uh but we'll save that for another time yeah for sure oh uh so work stuff here um you know it's funny when i when i did a an email marketing campaign what i what i think i did so that was I don't know, three or four weeks ago, I think what I did is I put a um, Calendly link that um, that was for a, an appointment type that had, you know, maybe the first three weeks blacked out or something like that, because um, all the people that ended up booking appointments were for this week um, or actually last week. Um, so there was a day when I had like three cold appointments from email marketing, which was kind of nice. Um, and I had known when they booked those, it, it came out a little bit. So that gave me time to time to prepare but it looks like one if not two um i'd say one i'd give it maybe like a 70 percent chance the other one's probably like an 80 percent chance although it's kind of an iffy one as to whether it's really gonna um add much value to their business but we'll see and then the third one um did the appointment and then missed the follow-up one so um could end up getting two out of three clients just from that from that one day kind of email marketing thing. So nice. So that's kind of fun. Um, you know, obviously the best type of new clients you get are, um, you know, from referrals, but when you're, when you're going through that chain, you, you end up sort of locked in that same community, so to speak, you know? So when you get somebody outside that community from like an email marketing or from social media, it, it almost like plants another, you know, seed somewhere else. And hopefully because they don't know all of your other clients, you know, whereas when you get a referral, you know, with the, the local stuff that I do here, they probably know half the people in their network are the same as, right. as yours. So that's nice. Um, but it's nice to sort of branch out a little bit and plant those. Uh, uh, I have one client that does these spider plants. So it's kind of like that. They grow big and then they, you know, and then you could pull them and start them. So it's, it's kind of like that. That's what I'm picturing in my mind. But, um, you know, we were talking, um, know before we well we were recording but it might not make it into the show but just like uh you know trying to streamline our own our own videos and our own own content and stuff like that the uh 
the cobbler's kids have no shoes or whatever the reference we we always use but so i've been doing a lot of videos that have been individual for uh for companies like onboarding videos which is pretty neat so i know you work in that in that space too so it's nice that if people can go through their mandatory you know sexual harassment training or their mandatory um you know email phishing training and then also go through the onboarding video for uh, their 401k, which in most instances now they're automatically enrolled in anyway. Um, so we're trying to get more involved in that process, which is which is pretty neat. So some of those videos, you know, there's there's pieces of them that I can continue to use. So, you know, a lot of times I can just say hello and welcome to ABC Company. Congratulations on your new job. You're automatically involved in ABC Company 401k. And then a lot of the, the rest of the video is the same because a lot of the plan design is the same. And then maybe at the end, I can come back in and talk about, you know, company specifics maybe is, you know, once you're here six months, you'll be eligible to compete, to participate in the plan. Or once you're here three months, you're eligible to participate in the plan. So um, trying to build out that that video content and, and get that snowballing a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're doing this intentionally or not, but that's exactly the thing I'm talking. I'm going to be talking about today for for my stuff. No, because we didn't we didn't even talk about that. But yeah, I mean that's, <laughs> that's it's so all those funny. those leveraging that those that you know repeatable content, repeatable repeatable tasks. Um, and as I talked how, about, how are bit, you? Can I can, can I ask how are you administering the videos? What what through what mechanization are you administering those videos? Yeah, so so I actually use. Um, Use YouTube and yen and use the um, the private link. Let me make sure I get the the terminology right because there is a little bit of a confusing terminology there. But when you upload a new video, that can be public, which is you know probably ninety nine point nine percent of the videos, and then they can be unlisted. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Then there's private and unlisted. So <clears throat> so one of them is um, where where it's still public. People can get to it if they if they have the link um, and then other ones are um, are totally private where they can only get it if they're, you know, signed in and logged in. So it's for a specific person. So, I mean, if it's a general company video about ABC company's 401k plan, I mean, that's semi-public information anyway, because most of it's on the 5,500. So it's not like I would have to worry about that link falling into the wrong hands or something like that, but it's still, you know, it's still out there, but, but at least have that a, way I can, I can track. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to ask, do you have, do you have a portal where like you, you enroll the new uh, resource or employee resource, you, you type in their first name, you type in their last name, you type in their email address and you click enroll. Do they then get a series of emails and um, that like click here for the YouTube video, the welcome YouTube video, or, or do you like call them and say like, or do you, how does that work? And I don't know, that, that just matters to me for some reason. Yeah, no, and that's that's a really good question. I, and I would say for onboarding process in the 401k industry, it's still very yeah. choppy. And part of that is because it's uh, the data is going through the record keeper. So if you've got a Fidelity or Vanguard 401k, that's where the data is being pushed to. That's where the census file and that's connecting with the payroll um, behind the scenes usually. Um, and again, even that's dependent on the plan um, to nerd out a little bit. Sometimes they have what's called 360 integration, which is fully hands off by the employer. So uh, an employee signs up for, you know, they do their benefits package, maybe even on their phone. 
and then the the payroll company sends it to the 401k provider and then the 401k provider reaches out to the participant the the employee without ever being touched by the employer which is ideal which is really nice and then sometimes they have what's called 180 integration so you know john smith logs in and he changes his contribution from 50 dollars a month to 60 dollars a month and then the uh, 401k company will email the business owner and say hey john smith changed their contribution go into your uh you know payroll system and change that so um so it really depends on the setup a little bit as the advisor the data isn't necessarily coming to me so that's why i've slowly started to build these connections with the 401k provider so as soon as they're updated i'm updated as well so i can get that email out to them from my side that says hey john smith at abc company you're going to be getting a um an email from fidelity and vanguard about your new 401k here's what it means in in plain english here's right. what it means you know i'm in town if you want to meet me at you know dunkin donuts to go over this or if you want me to stop by abc company after hours i'll do that and sort of get that you know personal in that same email will you have supporting links to those unlisted youtube videos that you're yes. describing yep here's some yep. helpful videos to help you get started kind of thing yeah and those are kind of one and done you know once they're unless the plan design changes or whatever um so so we can go that route and then you know i can even link them to some of my general public videos which i have to do um you know some of those like i, I did a video earlier this year like how to how to manage your 401k in a volatile market or what you should be doing um not great. to incite any extremist trading or anything like that but again that draws people back to the channel or it can drop people back into my facebook group which is a, a mixture of participants and and general public so that's good um, marketing content for you also as an aside yeah yeah so uh, so i think that stuff you know as a as a smaller advisory firm that i can do that a lot of the big companies just because their compliance stuff won't you know it'll, it'll sit on somebody's desk for six months before somebody signs off on it so so that's an area where i can be kind of quick and and um nimble there um you know, when I started my firm, that was the idea is kind of being, bring these big, big company, big, um, you know, plan design features and, and those sort of ideas to, down to the local bakery with five employees. There's no reason they can't have a 401k that's as good as, you know, United Healthcare or UTC or, you know, somebody else in Connecticut. So allow them at least to be competitive from a benefit standpoint in that arena so just uh keep wringing out the sponge so to speak right you, you get there and it. then you change process and you get there and you change process so um yeah pretty excited about that it, it's the it's exactly what i'm going through uh it's it was my uh i don't want to say pet project but for lack of better words my pet project for the last week or so mm -hmm. Um, it's actually, you know, in my company, I can have these like really heavy initiatives that have been on the table for months and in years and at times. And then, um, you know, there's only there's limited time to get to the, these initiatives and there's a lot of learning and burden to it. And one of them has been, you know, we rolled out an HR software uh i don't know a few years ago with the intention of making the process for onboarding and offboarding uh resources employ i say resources because it can include include full-time part-time 
and what we call internal and external contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, so for lack of better words, I'll just say employees now. Um, uh, so we rolled out an, uh, an HR platform called Bamboo HR, for example, to be our source of truth and the genesis of the resource record, right? So mm-hmm. Bamboo has this platform for um, creating your job listings and then actually syndicating it right from the HR platform to Indeed, Glassdoor, mm-hmm. um, Career Builder, and all these job posts. And then you can you can take your whole application and um, candidate process um, all in this platform and codify your process. And it just kind of keeps you in this in this application to deal with this this workflow, which is wonderful. It does have uh, the, the second piece of that initiative was onboard training. Because, you know, for us, and I see this in many companies, especially professional service companies, you know, if you're going retail, it's like, here's, here's how you ring an item, here's how you take money, and here's how you give money back, right? And here's how you stock shelves. I mean, not to reduce what people do on retail or other businesses, because I'm sure like inventory, uh, the inventory manager at a re- at Home Depot has quite a project, but um for a professional services company, which is like a highly intellectual product, if you will, um, it's it's just the onboarding process or the onboarding is really steep for new hires. Um, so I always wanted to get a, a learning management platform where we could just, I can't tell you how many times I've trained a new employee on how to create a time entry. Um, because we record our time. All of our time is accounted for because that's a billing item uh, for many of our clients. Um, and it's like yeah, a, so, so a quick question on that before you go on. So so your time uh, that you're allocating, do you allocate that? So let's say somebody's working uh, half an hour for ABC company specific, one of your clients, and then the next half hour they're working for something that helps all your clients. Is that how you tag it in the system? Yes. So we we track our time as accurately as possible from the client account first back to the comp to the general company. So if you're doing some business development um, effort that is not directly attributable <clears throat> to a client account, then it gets attributed to the parent our company account. But the time does get recorded because payroll and compensation is linked to um, employee time. That's one of the KPIs. Um, and for the biggest reason is it, if besides accountability, it, 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 a time accounting is what allows us to track uh, account uh, profit and loss performance with a high degree of accuracy. Um, so if we're if three staff or staff members or colleagues are having a meeting about a client, one of them may be revenue. They're billing. They're billing. Their time entry may be a revenue item, but two other parties may not be. Uh, billing or invoicing their time, but they still are logging that time. Um, sometimes we record, we we invoice for all three parties. It depends. We have this metric that if it's not bringing direct value to the client, then it's not invoiceable. But we are recording the time, right? Because I'm paying for those resources to talk about that client. Um, so what what the client gets invoiced for is not necessarily what I'm paying my my um, resources for. But that needs to be costed against the account so that I can see a true, uh, accurate reporting of the profit and loss position. Um, so in order to do that, there's training. Uh, there's there's in, 
intense train intense it's 50 minutes i recorded it last week uh, or this earlier this week the um training course on how to record time in evernet and that turned out to be a over 50 minute recording uh training and i've given it so many times and by the end of the day training a new employee like i i'm so exhausted my my vocal cords are literally strained um it's a high, it's a highly technical process because we're in all of these softwares and things. And for a new trainee who 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 may not have experience in our particular software, it's a very burdensome uh, learning curve. It is very steep learning curve. So the the goal has always been, you know, we we started documenting our our processes in text form many years ago. So all of our pro our po processes are documented in text form in our in our company knowledge base. Um, but I wanted to go one step forward and say, what if I just built a whole curriculum for all of our processes, our tools, and all of the things that we do in video form? Well, what if I just record this next training with this with this person and then put it in the curriculum? You know, and so. I um, I did that and, and I'm nearly done. And that's what I've been doing this week because our team, we're kind of in growth mode right now. And any any of the viewers of our show know that um, you and I talk about our, our sales and marketing efforts a lot. And um, we've kicked that off at the beginning of this year and we're we're growing and we're growing fast. So we're bringing on new people. We're bringing on a lot of new people. And so um, one thing that I've been working on is building out our um, training material by recording it in video format and then building that curriculum. Yeah, that's really neat. And that's, and that's one of those things that as you learn it and you work through the process, you're ultimately going to help clients implement that as well. So that's, yeah, I mean, cool. that's, it's, it's something that I, I, uh, our clients could definitely benefit from. Um, but it's, I'm just really thrilled about it because I'll never have to give a, a 50 minute training on how to re, uh, record your time ever again. I just yeah. will be, I'll just assign the training. And it, and the cool thing is if um, I can actually assign existing staff, the trainings automatically, like let's say every one, every year, everybody has to take the training again, or every two years, everybody has to take these trainings again, just to keep the keep the uniformity up because I don't know if you know, like sometimes policies tend to drift. Sure. You know, pe uh, practices, <laughs> practices tend to drift, you know, and then, mm -hmm. and then it's almost like that game telephone where like, if, if this person is starting to drift and then train somebody and then they train somebody like some, this process where, where like maybe management thinks that it should be happening here, but then like the downstream employees just drift in their implementation of the policy. Mm -hmm. So, the learning management system, I can say like, no, everybody's got to take this training every 24 months or 15 months or something like that. And it just kind of keeps that drift from happening. Yeah. And that could be the cue for you too to say, all right, what's in this video? I got to watch it, you know, and what do I need to change? What sort of policies, exactly. or procedures or yeah. uh, sort of any HR technical stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's it's exciting and and just um, one more one more note on it. I'll um, the tool that we are using is called Talent LMS. Okay. And LMS stands for Learning Management System. And you could actually run a whole like college with this with this software if you wanted to. Um, but it, it it does have small plans, free plans, 
um, and you can run different branches and all sorts of things. So you could you could build curriculums for uh, clients. You can um, you could use it internally, mm. um, but it's really cool. It has a lot of integrations and mobile apps. Um, it's it's really a fasc- fascinating product. So um, really cool. Yeah. Um, so while we're on that topic, I wanted to share a piece of software that I'm, I guess I'm a little bit past the trial thing. I don't know if I'm on a monthly now, um, but it's, it's called motion. It's, um, it's kind of an AI scheduling type tool. So, um, oh yeah, you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, so I've, I've been using it. Uh, there's, there's a couple things that I'm not a super big fan of, but Overall, I like the idea and I like the concept. So basically, it's this: you've got your hard-coded schedule. Um, so, so let's say you know we've got this scheduled for for nine thirty every week. Um, but let's say, and let's say I'm gonna you know work out or something from from eight to nine o'clock. So, but it the the system knows that let's say I start my day at six thirty. That's when the wife and Luke leave at six thirty. So. I have a bunch of tasks that are saved in there. Some are um, some are repeated. So let's say during the first week of every quarter, there's a half an hour project that I need to do. So that's that's in the system, but it's flexible and that it's not client specific or tied to a time. And that has a deadline of, you know, Friday at five o'clock of, let's say, that first week. Um, and then I've got something that needs to be done by next Monday. And then I've got a lot of, let's say, floating tasks or, you know, by the end of the week, I need to follow up with this person. So you can attach priorities. Um, you can attach uh, the repeatable tasks, like I said, and it will kind of fill in your schedule for you. So you can do 10 minute blocks, 15, whatever, and it will fill in around your general schedule. So, um, so I'm still, I'm probably like 70% of the way in on it. Um, I know there's some other, there's some other repeatable tasks, uh, reoccurring, I guess is, is the correct word. They're reoccurring tasks that I want to put in there, um, you know, by the end of the year to get those scheduled. Them, you know, obviously we're starting a new year, starting a new month, starting a new quarter, all that kind of stuff in January. So I want to make sure I get those in there, but, um, but it is kind of nice to have those, to have it fill in around your, um, around your schedule. So, so the way it works is if you, you know, log in at, at 6.30 in the morning and you suddenly realize that you got an email overnight that there's a fire you need to put out by noon, you could say, all right, I need to do this sometime before noon today. You put the task in, it'll rearrange everything else in your schedule based on the priority. Um, and then Does it communicate to any external parties or? Uh, no, meetings? because it doesn't move any of your fixed stuff. Um, I mean, if you're part of a team, you can add team in and assign tasks and, and that sort of stuff. But, um, hmm. but, uh, so it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm, I know there's some other similar, uh, type programs. I think Monday is, is something that does, but you know, you're, you're connecting your, you know, you're logging in with your Microsoft ID. So it connects to your calendar. So if somebody goes on my Calendly system and books an appointment that goes on my, you know, Microsoft schedule. And then that, so motion knows that that's now a new hard appointment for one o'clock on Tuesday. Are so you, it'll move other stuff around. Are you seeing immediate value with it or are you still uh, trying to suss out the value? I, I have in that sometimes I want to, what I want to do in the morning sometimes isn't what I should be doing or what I have to be doing. So it's nice that it kind of pre-populates that it's, um, 
And I know a lot of people have actually used it more for uh, kind of self-care or maintenance or that kind of stuff. So they'll mm -hmm. say, I need to do 15 minutes of meditation every day, um, but I don't need it to be every morning at eight o'clock. You know, so they'll put that in there as a daily priority and then kind of let motion do the rest. So I've actually seen that, um, you know, people use it in that way. I'm not that far yet, um, but uh, but I do like the, the concept of it. And, and for me, the way my brain works, it, it seems to sort of help me out there and, and prioritizing things and, and all that kind of stuff. So just figured I would share that with the group. So maybe I'll check back in in a couple of weeks and let you know how that journey's I going i like i like tools like this and i and i and i'm always slow to adopt them because i always view this as a tools like this like um like my uh my photos library i have um my family teases me because i'm always i'm always taking photos of everybody and all everything that we're doing mm -hmm. um but um i uh, I always look at tools like this where like, it looks like there's a little bit of automation and logic to it or auto automation or AI. I hate using AI if it's not AI, but, oh, no. um, I look at it like those like apps that proclaim to find duplicate photos in your photo library and clean and mm. call out, you know what I mean? And I'm yep. like, nope. <laughs> I, I, right. Exactly. Right. Like, no, I have, I think I have like 60,000 images, right? Like, would you just, would you just turn that over to, to a computer or AI? Like yeah. they've just proven to not be good enough yet. Um, and then when the, with this software, when it comes, this, this is like task management. Like I've had tasks literally on my outlook for years, mm -hmm. like years. And it was only, it was only until, maybe the past like two years, maybe three years where like I finally developed the maturity to say like, oh, if, if, if I'm not doing it within like a month, I'm not going to do it. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And so yeah. I'm, it's kind of like, I'm a, re I'm a reformed hoarder personally. Like when I was a kid, um, my mother died when I was, when I was 10. So like I started hoarding like all this stuff and that's what people do when they, when they suffer, you know, hoarders experience a major loss and then they start collecting things to try to control and preserve. Anyways, when I realized in my twenties, I was like, Oh my God, I have all this stuff from when I was a kid like this, you know, and then I learned about it and I, now I'm a reformed hoarder. So like now I don't keep anything. I was like a task hoarder. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, sure. I had all these tasks, but then at the same time, like I won't do what I'm not going to do. So does the software put these tasks in front of you that you just kind of keep kicking down the can, down the, the can, down the. Yeah. So, so you, you could have a start date and a, and a due date. So I've actually, that's happened to me already in this, the three or four weeks, or I've put something in there that was maybe just an idea. And obviously there's a mobile app as well. So if I'm, if I'm out somewhere, I'll, I'll have an idea and I'll put it in as like a 10 minute task. Um, just so it puts it on my calendar and then it'll pop up, I'll move it, pop up, I'll move it. And I'll say, you know what? I, I like this. Let me file away. It's just not a, not a now project. So then I can just kill it or mark it as complete or, or whatever, right. but it gives you a chance to kick the can a few miles down the road, but not all the way. So, um, uh, yeah, but yeah, you can sort of change that and, and whatever, but, um, yeah, same sort of thing. I don't I don't like to let ideas go away or I don't like to say I can't do that or won't do that. But um, 
but at some point, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. So, so true. Um, I tend to email um, myself. I, I, I email, I, I've been using this subject line called topic hmm. and, and I'll email myself with the subject line topic full colon. And then I'll just, whatever the idea is. And then if I have a notes, I'll just email myself. Um, because the indexing and searchability of email is so good now that, you know, and then I, and I, I use the read and unread state of my email as, uh, as, as my honey do list or to do list, you know, and, um, and, uh, and that's, that's what I do. So like, if I, if I send myself an idea or a to do, and I keep it as unread and I generally like to get my stuff done. So I mark, move things to, to read. Um, if it's, if I'm, if I'm not doing it and I want to kick the can, I just mark it unread and then it's there. And if I ever want to go, like, I need something to do, or I, I remember wanting to do this sort of thing, I can just research topic and then I can kind of pull up all my topics and then I can, which I guess the to do function would do, would work in the same exact way. I just, I tend to live kind of out of email as a primary tool. Yeah. Yep. Oh, email still, still where it's at. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the annoying guy that when I'm driving, if my wife's in the car, I'll almost always drive. Um, not because she's a bad driver. I'm just a bad passenger, but I'm the guy that's like, Oh, Lauren, can you, can you text me this? You know, can you text me this yeah, as I'm yeah. driving and get, I'm that guy, which I know is super annoying. I wouldn't like it. Um, I've, but, I've, uh, but I've asked anyway. my, my wife to do the same, same thing numerous yeah. occasions. Yeah. Or I'll even say like, so we, you know, we'll send each other calendar invites for like, actual like specific things but i'll i'll be like all right can you put something in my calendar for next thursday or whatever you know um but, do you have apple play or car play or auto android auto in your car <laughs> so yeah that's yeah long story <laughs> but so when we when we bought our volvo it was the it was the first um it was the first wave of that new like redesigned model that that people liked so volvo had the big boxy like you know xc90 and whatever for a lot of years and then they switched to the more streamlined one so when we when we got that the guy was like oh yeah this is the the you know the system and everything it's that gotta have apple play and google play and it's and it's coming out just let us know come back get the update come back you know let us know and we were sold on that and we didn't like get anything in writing or whatever and then when we came back for our first service i was like oh yeah we're you know you can you can add these to our system because they were now available and then they wanted to hit us for i don't know 350 dollars or something i was like yeah your guy your guy said that this wasn't available yet but it was going to be available and they're like oh do you, you know do you have the documents it's like all right whatever um so so just out of pure spite i'm not going to get those for the you car. don't throw away christmas trees so you're not spending 350 on on android well, auto just, yeah i mean and i and I'm sure it would add some sort of value or whatever, but it's not, it's not that big a deal for us. Like we don't, I mean, we play music off our phones sometimes, but for the most part, we're, you know, I mean, we can do it where we can use a voice command on both of our phones to do whatever we need to do anyway. So I'm sure there's some sort of advantages there, but this doesn't really interest me. So I use the source source spot for me. Sorry about that. I mean, I've been Uh, dreaming about this for years. My, my car is a 2008. So it's a 14, 14 year old pathfinder. Um, and I've never had, I've never had Bluetooth in my, in a car before other than the one I've added. So it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but for years I'm like, Oh, I I've been using the location field in cal in my calendar for years. Right. Cause the cool thing is, when um, all the mapping uh, and the smartphones started saying, "Wow, okay, if you if you do populate the location field, when you when you want to go to navigate on your mobile device, we can 
have an API hook where if we read a location, you you can send that to your mapping app and then mm -hmm. and it kind of helps you get to where you're going easily. Kind of it's an easy workflow, right? Yeah. And then for years, I'm like, oh my God, it'd be amazing if cars would come out with like a uh well back then it was a Microsoft Exchange. I was like, why not? they need an exchange client in the car. Mm -hmm. So when I get in the car, it's reading my calendar, which reads the location data, which will then tap into, into the mapping. But um, that turned out to be in the form of, I think, auto uh, car, Android auto and Apple CarPlay. And, uh, and now I just dream about the novelty of what that must be like for all those people who have that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the voice commands sort of, so, so we have, you know, the navigation system in the Volvo, but all the car navigation systems are terrible. I mean, the ones yeah, they're on off the phone are infinitely better. So we, but never the Android even... auto and the, and the Apple CarPlay bring in your mobile phone experience on that display. Yeah. yeah, they do. But you know, we just, we use our phones when we're traveling anyway, just because it's easier to, I mean, yeah, it's easier to do it on your phone anyway. But yeah, same sort of thing. Um, you know, I put the location in if I'm meeting somebody and then, you know, as I'm walking out the door, I'll just, you know, the alert pops up that says, hey, you got to go right, right. meet Eric in 15 minutes anyway. Well, what so if you, but that. what if the phone stayed in your pocket, it stayed in your briefcase yeah. and your coat and then your phone display applies to your screen and then there's mm -hmm. my calendar, there's my location, pull up the, uh, you're an Android guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, so bring up your Android, you know, whatever. So, yeah, but so riddle me this potential failure in that system. So, so my office is is above the garage. It's you know connecting part of the house. So, so I've I've had times when I've gotten in my car, see that my phone's connected, left, got a couple of miles down the road, and realized I don't have my phone with me. You know, <laughs> so I mean that that does happen. So at least I know if it's in my hand and I'm I'm doing whatever. Like, so right. there's still an advantage to to doing that but okay I mean, old school so, i'll i'll let you have it yeah <laughs> i so it's funny sometimes when i'll get in the car my wife will be on the phone i'll pull out of the driveway now i'm listening to her phone call until yeah. i get to the end of the driveway it's just yeah um and supposedly when when i'm in the car with my key the car is supposed to know that it's me and connect to my phone but again right theory versus practice so right right all right, that's it for today. You're watching Finance and Technology Insights with Brian Williams, Eric Bjorndorf. I'm CEO of Evernet Consulting, an IT company across the nation. Brian is Northshire Consulting. He does, what do you do, Brian? 401k consulting, advisory. Uh, All that good advisory. stuff. Connecticut-based investment advisory firm. You can find us online at northshireconsulting.com. Social media handles are 401k and beyond. And, Excellent. Uh, I'm on uh, evernetco.com is our website. Schedule a discovery call with me there. Um, and we are evernetco as uh, all social tags. I like to have that uniform on all the social tags. So find us there. And that's it. We'll see you next Tuesday.